quick question for you. Who had some holidays in the last month? Sort of there. So, so some people have slowed down. They haven't been. Zachary, you've been on holidays. So, wow, working hard as a toddler. Um, but okay. But the when you go on a holiday, one of the one of the things we like to do is stop and do nothing. For those who have to get up ridiculously early, they want to sleep in. For those who are rushed, they want to slow down. Um, and so the thing is, we come out of a lot of us at, at times will have some kind of holidays near or around Christmas, and we, we slow down or we stop for a bit, we may get away, we might go do something, um, even going somewhere where maybe you go somewhere and you, you go out for dinner a bit more, and all of a sudden, even preparing a meal becomes less, um, and so you have a bit of a break from that. And, and so that's all well and good, but the thing is, we are now in the fourth week of 2022, and for some of you, all of a sudden, that rest, that break, that stop, that sort of get away from it all feeling is actually rapidly gone. Um, it's going, oh, yep, life is speeding up. I'm getting crazy again. I'm off, I'm committing, committing myself to doing various things, getting things started. Um, and it's just all, maybe some of you, those with New Year's resolutions going, I'm going to go to the gym. Are you thinking about it more now? You haven't gone yet, but you're thinking about going more now. So you're feeling that pressure. And so we've been talking the last few weeks about redeeming your time. And it comes from a verse in Ephesians where it says God commands us to redeem our time. Why? So that we can do the will of the Lord. Because the thing is, again, as I've said each week, time is this great equalizer. Each one of us have the same amount of minutes every year that everyone else has. Um, and I, again, at different times of life, there will be different periods of time when you'll be more busy. If you've got young toddlers, it's just going to be more busy. If you've got great grandkids, you get to send them home. Like it's a great feeling. You get to send them back and go, oh, we can now do what we want. But parents, if you you, you, you can send it to grandma sometimes, but most of the time they come back. Um, and so, but, so there's going to be different seasons of life which will have more things for you to do, but we all have the same amount of time. And so it does come back to us um, redeeming our time and so that we are doing the things that God wants us to do. And, and how do we redeem our life? So we'll be looking at the life of Jesus and there's going to be seven principles by the time we finish of how Jesus managed his time. Because um, one of the things we're going to look at, today, I'm just jumping ahead a little bit, the, the fact is when Jesus came to earth, he was now bound in a human form. Jesus when he was in, in, in heaven with, with God the Father, he could move, he could take his, he could do things instantaneously, but all of a sudden, he's, he's human, he has to grow in human years, he has to take the time to do everything. Um, and, and the thing is, even though we, and we've established, even though the first century where, where Jesus was, even though he didn't have the internet, he didn't have a smartphone, he didn't have something beeping reminding him to go do something else, he didn't have distractions like that, there was the human limitation that he had and that he would have been pulled in millions of directions. Even that passage that Stanley read for us today, we're going to look at it in a second, there was more demands on him that he could, than he could actually do. And so he had to figure out what was most important. And so, so far, we've covered three principles. And the first one is, first principle is start with the word. If we are going to redeem our time, we have to start with a place where we are instructed, guided, filled, equipped, focused 
on the things that God wants us to do. And if you sort of, if you listen to the world and what it wants you to do, it's going to be a very different how you live your life out. Because in fact, the world says, says you need more, you've got to do more, you've got to be more, you got to, and it's just more, 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 more. And all of a sudden, you try and capture that idea that the world is selling us, and, and it leads to what we talked about last week, the descent of, 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 um, of noise. Um, so but principle two is let your yes be yes. If you say yes to something, if you, um, um, to get it done, we talked about these open loops, that if sometimes we say yes and we don't do something, all of a sudden we, we have the pressure of that weighing us down. And I've really noticed this week, as I've, I've been talking about it, I've gone, I've got this open loop. I've got this thing happening. I've got to get, I haven't written this down somewhere. I've got to get this done. I've got to send this email. And I've really noted at times the pressure that we feel when we allow our, our to-do list to raise. And, and so today we're going to sort of do the balance of that. Um, because sometimes our problem with letting our yes be yes is that we've said too many yeses. We've actually said yes to too many things. Um, but the, and then the third principle was descent from the kingdom noise. So sometimes we need to actively separate ourselves from the noise, whether that is the noise that of our thoughts, the noise of, of the pressure of this world, and we have to get alone with Jesus. And we actually see a few of those principles played out in the, in the passage that was just read this morning. Um, so as we, as we look at, at that passage, so Jesus had been, first of all, we see he was in the synagogue. So he'd gone to church and he came out of church and all of a sudden there was stuff for him to do. And the first thing he went and did, he went to, um, um, someone's home and they said, um, Simon's, um, mother-in-law is not well. And so Jesus, uh, wasn't worried about COVID or anything like that, just went up and healed her. So that's ticked that off the box. He got that done. And then, I don't know whether other people got the word that that's what he was doing. All of a sudden, the crowds came with people needing healing. There was people that needing um, um, to be have their demons sort of um, thrown out. And, and so Jesus was busy with the crowds. And I can see his disciples sort of handing out those tickets that you do at the deli at times and going, okay, you're number 1,082. Just stay over there. Your number will be called when it's the time. And so Jesus was, was, was surrounded by this. But then we see that night, what did Jesus do? He actually went away by himself. And so Jesus is actually practicing that descent from the kingdom noise. He's actually practicing being alone with God the Father. He has had a big day of ministry. He has had a big day of giving of himself to other people. And so to reset his compass, to, to refill his heart, he went, I'm going to give up on some sleep because I know where my source of strength is coming from. And so he invests in that. Um, and I, I think that's an important word, invest. I'm going to use it a bit more today. But it's one of these things, when we take the time to do something that is valuable in our life, we invest in it. And some things like, because we invest in it, it's going to take time for that to happen. Okay, we'll get, to, we'll get to that point a little bit later. But, but basically Jesus was, was out by himself and all the crowds rock up again because they went, Jesus did a fantastic jo- job yesterday. The crowds rock up with more people to, um, for, to be healed and more stuff to happen. And what does Jesus do? He actually says to his disciples after they said, everyone's been looking at you. Now, again, for most of us, if, Oh, okay. I can't speak for you, but I know for me, if I've, I've come to church and there's a whole lot of people waiting to see me, I don't sneak out the back door. 
okay? I, I, I won't do that. I will, okay, yep, okay, I'll get, I'll, I'll get to you in five minutes. I'll, I'll try and catch up with everyone I can. Now, now, for some of you, you might be the total opposite. You go, I'm, someone knocks on my door, I'm even before I open it, I'm going to sneak out the back door. That, that might be you, but for me, I'll be in that position where I'll, I'll feel obliged, I'll feel responsible. I might even feel a little bit special because all these people want to come and see me. Now, Jesus had a crowd of people wanting to come and see him. He didn't feel any of that. He said to the disciples, let's get going to the next town because I'm needed over there. But Jesus, there's a crowd right here. There is a crowd right here, right here for a ready-made crowd. How often does that happen? And the thing is, some of us would go, oh, but I would have just preached the gospel to this crowd. I would have healed a few. And Jesus just went away. He He was about doing the Father's work. And we see in John 17, um, Jesus um, had the right thinking. He said, I'm here to finish the work the Father gave him to do. Jesus, Jesus understood that it was more about what than what he wanted. It was more than, about than re, re, sort of receiving human attention. God had an agenda for him, and God doesn't make mistakes. And so he was willing to follow that. Um, and so, so once he had this work prioritized, Jesus was able to relentlessly focus on what he needed to do. Well, how does this relate to us? So many of us get paralyzed with trying to decide where to best spend our time. Or if we are caught up in the, the, the kingdom of noise, we don't even get sort of paralyzed. We just are on automatic and we're just sort of flowing from one thing to the next. And, and all of a sudden, we don't have time to say yes to the good things or even better, we don't have time to say yes to the best things. And I think that's a really important distinction because at times there are good things in life that God does not want us to do. Because God has got the better and the best things for us to follow after. And so sometimes we get paralyzed, sometimes we get inundated with option. And, and the thing is, I, I, this is a quote from Kevin DeYoung, and it, it stood out to me because it says, the people on this planet who end up doing nothing are those who realize they couldn't do everything. And the, and the, the hard thing is, is that sometimes the, this idea is sold to us when we're young, that you can be anything you want, you can do anything you want. And the reality is, you can't do everything. You might be able to do more things than someone else. You might be able to do most of the things that you want to do, but the thing is, if we have this idea that I can do everything that I want, all of a sudden, it will sort of spread us so thin and it will take us, definitely take us away from the things that God wants us to do. And but the thing is, because we desire to do everything, maybe we end up accomplishing nothing. And it is hard because at times you can look back over your life and I've spoken to some people that as they reflect on their life and they sort of go... I, I wish I'd done more of this. I wish I'd done more of that. And sometimes it might have been a hobby that I had. I wish I'd got done more fishing. I wish I'd got my boat out on the water. But then at the same time, they probably need to be reminded about the fact that, but what you did do has an internal sort of value. You may have done more of that, but it may not have had as big of an impact in, in what you did do. And so we need to remember that. There may be things that, might be a, a trickle of desire in our heart to do, but we choose something better. So I want to start look at principle number four today, which is prioritizing your yeses. 
To redeem our time in the model of our Redeemer, we must decide what matters most and allow those choices to prioritise our commitments. Because in reality, not all yeses are created equal. Um, um, not everyone, everyone, every to-do um, carries equal weight in doing good works for others. So how can we, like Jesus, identify the work that matters most and ignore everything else? And the thing is, even in this, there are some, it may be more important to, to say yes to something that is unseen or small rather than what is seen to be popular or what makes most people happy. I think that, again, is an important thing because sometimes Jesus calls to do something very specific and it won't be seen by the masses. It won't be seen by, like, all our friends. It might be something that I know about, the person knows about, and God knows about it. And that's it. And and so, again, if that's what God is calling us to do, it's important that we say yes to that and we're not, we're, and rather than saying yes to something that makes us feel more validated or more important or more seen and praised by other people, because that's, again, the wrong motive to follow along with. We must grasp the truth that you and I have the power to choose what matters most ra- rather than allowing others to choose for us. Now, this, this does become an issue when we have this thing called work, because we need to work. And God has actually made us to work. Um, and, and we glorify God by the way we work. But again, we live in a world where shifts and need for work and taking work when it comes becomes a great definer of us. But again, it's one of these things that we need to be aware that of the choices that we make around that. Um, my, my, I suppose my clear um, example is would be um, uh, Eric Little, who... Um, uh, Chariots of Fire movie, for those who have seen it, um, for those who are unaware of the story, great, great um, sprinter, and um, the Olympics came up, and his event was going to be on a Sunday. And he said, I won't run on a Sunday because I want to honour my God. I'm, I'm going to say no to that. Now, the thing is, everyone thought, oh, you're crazy, it's just one Sunday. But that was a choice he made, and he could have lost the opportunity to do something else. He didn't know there was going to be the opportunity for gold again, but he said, you know what? To to actually, to prioritise my yes and say, this is what I will do, at times will mean you say no to other things that might be important, but not as important as this. And that, that's part of our, our our reasoning. When we when we say yes to something, we are always saying no to something else. Um, and and that's, that's a reality of life. When we say no to God doing something, or we say yes to do something that God doesn't want us to do, we are saying no to God. When we say directly, say, God, no, I'm not doing this, we're saying yes to something else. If we say, I'm going to spend more time at work, we're saying no to spending more time with family. If we're saying, if, if maybe you don't have family and things at the moment, if I'm saying yes to do more work, you may be saying no to rest. If you are saying yes to Kentucky Fried Chicken three nights a week, well, you're saying no to other things along the way. Um, and, and so the thing is, our yes, when we say yes to things, whether it's informed or passive, we are saying no to other things at the same time. And so we need to um, look at that um, and we need to be more proactive with our planning of our time than reactive. Now, how do we do that? Well, again, it comes from having a relationship with God. 
Because this is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about how you plan your time better. I'm talking about how you live your life, living in a way that you honor God. Because God, he may go, well, this is the one thing I want you to do. Or these are the 10 things I want you to do with these people. Or, and, and again, like it may not be everything is planned out precisely, but we will have a sense of going, this is not something that God wants me to use my time for. And so we've, at times we've got to sort of weigh those things up and bring those things before God. Well, the thing is, and, and it was really important for Jesus to do exactly the same. Because if Jesus said yes to everything, not everything would have got done. There was time that he walked away from towns, times that he walked away from crowds, time that he went and was by himself, time that he went and um, he focused on the individual, time that he went and focused on the disciples. In fact, what you need to realize is that the church was not birthed or built until after Jesus left. He left that work unfinished. You think, well, Jesus just shows up, clicks his finger here and there, everything's done, goes back to heaven, we go to heaven, everything's all done. Well, no, that's not the way God has worked in this situation. He's actually left the job of building a church along with the Holy Spirit to us. And fortunately, Jesus does not have that expectation on, on us to get everything done. There is a step that we take as we, as we, and, and, and doing that. So we under, need to understand that we need to say yes to the right things and in so doing, say no to the wrong things or the not God things. And this is I think it's easy to say no to things that are wrong for us, okay? It's harder to say no to things that aren't right for us. Good things. Oh, you should be doing this. Oh, you should be doing this. And I want to make it really clear. I'm going to invite you to be involved in things that our church does all the time. But this is where you've got to be at peace with this. You've got to pray about it. And if God says yes, what I'm telling you, you've got no choice. If God says no, well, you've got no choice there. Well, you actually can choose to do it still. We can still serve in the church for human glory. We can still do good things for God, even though God doesn't want us to do it. But the thing is, I, I give you permission to say, to agree with God and volunteer where God calls you to be. But this is the one thing I know. God will call you to do something. God doesn't sort of sit back and go, well, no, the church leaders have kind of got that in hand. Um, like, Keith can do the rest of it. Like, and, No, God, God calls the church to serve his kingdom. And so what I say up the front may not be the thing that God calls you to do to say yes to, but God will be saying you need to say yes to this other thing. And so that's where it comes back to that first principle, starting with the word. If you are not walking closely with God, it makes it, I won't say impossible, it makes it very difficult to say yes to the right things, to yes to the God things. One of the things that we did need to realize, this is the same way that when Jesus was on earth, he was limited by his humanness. We are in that same um, uh, situation. And it becomes our fifth principle, um, which is accepting your unipresence. Now, that's not a co new COVID variant, unipresence. Um, but basically what it... See, God the Father is omnipresent. When Jesus was on earth, he was unipresent, meaning he was in one place at one time. He had to take one step after the other to get to where he was going. 
There was no teleporters, no, none of that. It was, it was a walk that he had to do. And so to redeem our time in the model of the Redeemer, we must accept our unipresence and focus on one important thing at a time. And the problem is when we come back to that, that, um, the third principle, the, the kingdom noise, when we are overwhelmed by the kingdom noise, when we are sort of just flooded with different things that sort of have our brain going a mile, a mile a minute, have our bodies going a mile a minute, all of a sudden we go, I can do it all, I can do it all, I can do it all, and it is not possible. And it, it, it destroys us physically, spiritually, emotionally. We need to realize that we are unipresent. And we can do one thing. Jesus had to deal with many of the same challenges that we face today. And as we seek to redeem our time, it included um, frequent distractions that com- competed for his attention. Jesus was, uh, we talked about some of these last week, Jesus was walking somewhere to heal someone's daughter. Someone stopped him along the way. Jesus is preaching to a crowd and someone comes in through the roof. Jesus it was on the way to doing different things when he was stopped and distracted. Now, the thing is, Jesus probably knew that these weren't all stoppages. They weren't all distractions. They were planned by God to, for him to look into. And so Jesus had to be aware of what, what and when these times were. There were times when Jesus welcomed these distractions, but other times Jesus made significant effort to eliminate distractions and cultivate depth. depth. So he actually moved to a position at times where he would be just with his disciples. I'm going to feed you guys. I'm going to fill you guys. I'm going to teach you guys. I'm going to correct you guys. I'm going to keep the crowds away right now. I'm going to invest in you because you are going to be this bedrock for this new church that is coming. You are going to do that. You you need some time. Other times he spent it with the crowds. Other times he spent it with the crowds and he'd tell them a parable and everyone's going, oh, that was a great story and, and everyone's not really wanting to stay up front. I don't know what he's talking about. And then his disciples can get to him later and when they had that time alone with Jesus, um, I don't know which one it would have been. You know, because the thing is, you don't want to be the one that asked that question because everyone else is going to pretend, oh, yeah, I knew what Jesus was talking about. Uh, and you know that. Like when, when I ask a question, I go, Oh yeah, I knew what he was saying, just want to show off. But the disciples, one of them would go, Jesus, what was that all about? And Jesus would take the time just with them. And then Jesus would take the time to be just alone with his father. You see, Jesus, he prioritized his time. He, he, he didn't do a worldwide tour. Go, okay, I'm going to go to Rome next and then to Africa and go to the British Isles, which is really uncivilized right now. Well, I'm not saying now, now, like I'm saying back then now, like it's a little bit more civilized now, like, um, um, but the thing is, Jesus didn't do a world tour. He focused on Israel. He focused on his disciples. He invested that time there. Jesus realized he could not do everything. And as I said, he left the birth and the building of the church undone. And if Jesus knew he could not do everything, why do we think we can? Why do we think we can actually, I can handle it, I can handle it, just put that one more thing on. It's like when we, we fill that rubbish bin up to the, to the and I'm going to put the last bit of rubbish because as soon as the rubbish falls out of the bin, that's when it needs to be emptied. But if I can balance it there on the bin, life is all good. But then at some point in time, something happens and life just crashes down and we go, I don't know what happened. I don't know why my life is falling apart. Well, we weren't where God wanted us to be. 
We need to understand this reality for ourselves that we can't do everything. Our fullness of life will not come from filling, fitting in more um, or getting more or doing more or having more or being more, but in understanding our limitations and therefore rather than overflowing on our yeses, our fullness of life will come from doing more of the things that God wants us to do. Because you think God is going to sort of overwhelm us to the point of, of mental break now. I don't, God won't do that. God cares for us. We are not, he is not like an employer who says, do you know what? The most important thing for me is making money. So I'm going to work you really hard. Or the most important thing is making me look good to my superiors. So I'm going to work you hard. God is not like that. It's not in his character. And so we need to realize that when we say yes to the things that God wants us to do, life will be better. Life will be better. I'm not saying it will be easy. Because again, it might be he calls you to go to deep, as dark as Africa. He might call you to go to, to, to missions, to places like, he might call you to go to, to like, let's go save America or let's go save England. Like those deep, dark places like that. I'm getting stared from the front here right there. But the thing is, I'm not saying what God calls us to do will be easy, but if we say yes to those things, that is where life will be more fulfilling. And the things that God wants us to do are, again, I'm using this word, he wants us to invest in relationships, to give them time. And the thing is, for our young people, so those who are on Facebook, all of a sudden, the thing is, I remember when Facebook first came out. Yes, that sort of, for those who are younger, shows my age. But the thing is, um, it was all about having the most friends. And the thing is, now I look at my friend list on Facebook and I went, I haven't spoken to some of the people physically in like 20 years. And then I'm like, you might be one of those people, well, I'm not, I don't use Facebook to be friends, I use it to, to stalk them and find out about them. No one here does that, do they? Like, um, find out people about people on Facebook, what they think and feel and whatever else and what they've been eating for breakfast and all that kind of stuff. And so all of a sudden there's this false idea of, oh, I've got heaps of friends so I'm special. Now God wants us to invest in relationships. And I will tell you what, Facebook might be a doorway or something that can, can be a part of that, but it is never enough on itself. We need to take time to invest. And investing will take time. I suppose is the point. Investment always takes time. If And I don't know enough about this because I never had enough to do it with, but investing money, you put it into something and you watch it grow. Okay, that's that's the idea. Like, you don't put it in one day and then it, and all of a sudden the next day, oh, $10 million, I can take it out again. Unless what you invest in is a lottery ticket and, um, and, and again, I don't encourage that either. Um, but the thing is, we also need to invest in activities that have internal value. Like there are there are things that I have done in this past week that have had no benefit for me, have had no benefit for other people, and like okay, it may even be things that I need to catch up on. If I've spent stay up late watching a stupid movie, well, I need to catch up on that sleep. Or if I've spent time scrolling through Facebook and all of it has done is hurt my eyes, it has served no benefit. Or if I've spent time worrying about myself and things that God doesn't want me to worry about. All of a sudden, we can fill our time with things that have really no benefit overall. But on the same time, we can invest, invest in things that have eternal value. 
Now, these are the things that are probably close to my heart. Not that I'm doing them, but, but having conversations with God with my children. That will have eternal value. Spending time in areas that I love ministering in has eternal value. Spending time reading my Bible will have eternal value. Why? Because God is there. Nothing is wasted when I do that. Finding ways that I can that, that I can say yes to God. It can be about sharing faith. It can be about showing love. It can be about growing with God. And it can be about being obedient to His call on our lives. All these things will have eternal value. Whether you are young or older, this is important because the thing is, if you're older, what you need to do, you may need to reset your thinking, reset your heart and go, well, what is important that God wants me to do? What are the things I can do now? Maybe you've got 50 years left. Maybe you feel like you've got 10 years left. But what can I do in that time to say, God, I'm going to invest in this and I'm going to, I'm going to see things of eternal value? For our younger people, you have the opportunity to actually put that in your frame of thinking right now. And to go, you know what? When I come to making decisions about my life, what are the things that I can be doing that will have eternal value? What am I going to pursue at school? What am I going to pursue as a career? What am I going to pursue in, in times of, 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 of my life? I'm going to do things that have eternal value. It's an important framework for us to take on. So just to wrap up what we've been talking about today and, and the last few weeks, so far we're up to five principles of, of time management that we've seen in the life of Jesus. Start with the word. Let your yes be yes. Descent from the kingdom noise. Prioritize your yeses and accept your uni presence. Don't feel the pressure to say yes to everything because you are some kind of super person. Not even in church. Okay, I really want you to hear that. Just if no one else, if I'm standing up the front, I remember years ago I took this kid to watch a Christian motorcycle group. And he, um, this, this guy did an altar call at the end. And, and this kid that I brought along went up the front. I went, oh, praise God. And I was talking to him on the way home. It was about an hour trip home. And I so why, what made you go up the front? Oh, you're standing there all by himself. So I thought I better go up and keep him as a company. I was like, well, I'm hoping the conversation to follow after that sort of corrected some of that. But, but the thing was, at times, like I might be asking for volunteers. And some of you actually say yes, not because God wants you to do it because you feel guilty. Whether I've made you feel guilty or you're just naturally guilty, going, oh, if no one else is going to do it, I better step up. Do you know what? We've, we've got to... That is appreciated. But at the same time, like, we may just need to be more patient with God and, and who God is going to be providing. It might be that we just can't do that thing just yet. It might mean that, like, something else gets undone while we get that thing done, if it's a short-term or a long-time thing. But the thing is, we need to be at a point where we go, do you know what, I've got, to, I've got to do the things that God calls me to and I've got to say no to the others. I'm not going to pretend that this is easy. It is hard to prioritize and focus on what's important when we have so many things coming at us from all directions. But remember what I said in week one. Jesus offers us peace before we do anything. Peace comes before you even make a commitment to doing something. Peace is always going to be dependent on Jesus' presence in our life. 
We don't have to do any of these practices to be completely or perfectly loved by God, but it's because of that love that we want to redeem our time and spend more time doing the will of the Lord. Let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you for the time that you give us. We, we thank you that you invited us to be part of your mission to restore all of creation. We thank you for the gift of free will and the freedom that we have to choose our path. But Lord, we, we desire to glorify you. We desire to glorify you with the time that we have and the presence that we have. We desire to glorify you to be saying yes to more of the things that you desire for us and, and no to even the good things that are not in your will for us. Give us the wisdom and discernment as we prioritize and focus on what truly matters. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.